This is the Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. This, of course, is the podcast where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports, talk to some of the biggest players in the industry, and we are beyond thrilled. Today, we're going to be speaking with PGA Champions (coughs) Tour golfer Billy Andrade, and we got to do some disclaimers right up top here, Lynchy, because we've both known this guy for longer than any of us uh, in this interview cares to admit. I'll go first. I met Billy in the early 90s when he and his wife Jody, before they had kids, he was just coming onto the tour, uh, moved in next door to my family and next door to my parents in Atlanta on Club Drive. And I've known him and his whole family ever since. His son, Cameron, was actually the ring bearer in our wedding. He made it halfway up the aisle before he got scared of, uh, I think the quote was, <laughs> Jen's big white dress and turned around and turned tail. So I'm just delighted to spend some time with him. He is one of the funniest, most thoughtful people that I know. And Lynchy, I've never played golf with him, which is good for him, but yeah. uh, you have. Yeah, and despite playing with me, he went out and won back-to-back titles in 91. He won the Kemper and the Buick after a horrible day with me in, in my game. But, uh, you know, Billy was uh, – I, I met Billy uh, at Pleasant Valley Country Club, which was a host of uh, a PGA stop uh, every year uh, right up the road from Route 146. It takes you from Rhode Island right up there. And uh, Billy was one of the top, uh, along with Brad Faxon, the two most recognizable golfers in New England. And two of the nicest guys, two of the most affable guys, two of the most approachable guys. So I get paired with Billy in the Pro-Am. And I have a a sports photographer named Dick Dunham who's a a good guy, but, you know, is not afraid or intimidated by everyone. And he goes up to Billy and he says, hey, Billy, would you mind wearing a wireless microphone for like six holes today just so I can hear what, you know, the stuff you say to the caddy? And And I'm putting my hand over my face i'm going oh no you know at the pro-am you know he he needs to be sociable but this is how he makes his living dicky he just you know he, he he needs to work on his game you know and he'll say nice things to us every now and then he said sure i'd be happy to do it so i think billy's dad was uh, the third member of our foursome the fourth guy was this really nice guy about a 12 handicap and uh, he was a little shy, a little intimidated, and he came over and shook hands with all of us. And he had a posse of about 15 friends with him, all looked like weekend weekend golf guys. And, you know, I said, something going on here. So one of the guys pulled me over, and he said, he said hey, the, uh, this is our buddy here. I couldn't remember his name, so let's just call him John. Um, he says, he's, t- he's, he's terminally ill with cancer. He has six months to live. His dream was to play in a PGA event with a PGA player. But I don't want to bother Billy Andre for it. And I said, I'll take care of it. I go over to Billy, and I explain the situation to him. And from that moment on, Billy was attached to the hip to this guy, John, for 18 holes. We recorded that Billy was just helping him with his game, talking, turn the conversation around, asking him what he did for a living, you know, introduce me to your friends, let's take some pictures, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the guy had the the happiest day of his life. I got a letter about uh, five or six months later. He had passed away. We sent him the tape and said it was the greatest day of his life, and it was because of you, Billy Andre, and you made that day for that guy. Yeah, I remember that so well. Um, just... Uh what I remember the most is he played an amazing round of golf and he hadn't played for a long time because he was sick. And then he comes out, you know, in front of the huge crowds at Pleasant Valley. And I mean, he literally played one of, he said it was one of the best rounds of golf he's ever played in his life. And it's, uh, it was, it was really, really special. It was special to be out there and, 
and understanding the situation, you know, made it even more special for all of us. I mean, we were, we all had tears in our eyes at the at the end of it when you know, all his friends came out in the last hole and everybody's hugging everybody. It was uh, it was really cool, and uh, I I can't thank you guys enough for having me on the show and, and looking forward to chatting with you. Well, it's great yeah. to have you. Um, so, Billy. Let's get to the present, and then we're going to go back in time a little bit. We'll do a little bit more of This Is Your Life. But um, how are things right now? You're in Atlanta, um, you know, quarantined with, I think, three of the four androids are are there. How's it going being sort of off uh, for a bit, looking forward, obviously, to to getting back in July? Yeah, it's been really weird, I would say, first of all. And and at first it was, uh, oh, my gosh, like, is this ever going to end a groundhog day every day? And then it was um, kind of cool to have, you know, to be home and, and spending more time with your family. And my daughter, you know, she was graduating from school. So she had some school work to do to finish. Uh, she graduated at TCU and uh, she was bummed out that she couldn't walk and all that and, and stuff. And, so it's been kind of like mixed emotions, you know, like at first it was kind of weird and then it got kind of great. And now there's a, you see the light at the end of the tunnel when, when you had the uh, Charles Schwab challenge on TV this past weekend to, to see that golf is now back. And uh, we have a date, first uh, of August, we're going to get back in, in playing again. So um, it's just been uh yeah, we've we've been quarantined. We've we've really have taken this seriously in our family. We haven't done a whole lot. We've not been out to dinner. Um, I did not play golf for two straight months, and then wow. I started playing. I started playing about three weeks ago, and uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting the way the golf clubs have. Um, you know, everyone takes their own cart. Nobody touches your clubs. Nobody touches anything. You. Everyone's wearing masks. So the clubs here, uh, my clubs that I'm a member at here in Atlanta, have been uh, very, uh, very good with uh, keeping everything, um, you know, clean and, and disinfected and all that stuff. So it's been good. And uh, but it's you have that uh, you don't have that like not that not the desire. I've always had the desire, but the, now that there's you know a date that we're going to play, now I can start you know ramping up my practicing and getting ready mentally for coming back in, in, in August. Billy, um, no fans, obviously, uh, for the first four uh, PGA events. Uh, are you going to have fans up in Michigan? Uh, is it July 23rd, you said, or August 1st you're going back? Yeah, it's like at the, it's the end of July, 1st August, uh, Lynchy. And, um, you know, right now we're just uh, uh, watching what the tour does and seeing how, how it's going there. And then um, – I think in mid-July, the tour goes to the Memorial, uh, Nicholas's event, and they're going to have a handful of fans. They're not going to, they're not opening it way up to the public. I think it's going to be X amount of fans on the, on the, on the course. And then our tournament in, at the end of July, 1st, August, I know Ally would love to have fans. Uh, I know that, uh, that would, that was one of the, the words I heard from our president of our champions tour that they want fans. So um, hopefully we can, it's going to be okay. Uh, don't know. Um, wish we had the crystal ball to say that uh, everything's going to be perfect, but uh, you know, safety is the number one issue here. And 
you know, there's a lot of players, especially our international players, right? And they have to come over and quarantine for 14 days, and um, then then they really can't go back home. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this all works out, and hopefully it does. But uh, obviously, really, without a vaccine, um, you know, what are we what are we really doing here? Is this is this the smart thing? I hope it is, uh, and I hope nobody gets sick. Um, but we're we're really kind of playing Russian roulette, aren't we? Yeah. With all these yeah. with all these sports, and um, you know, I understand the economics. I understand, you know, especially uh, with college football. I mean, geez, if, uh, if if these colleges can't play football, there's going to be so many sports that that are going to uh, go go by the wayside at these schools because they can't afford it um, because of the football money. So it's going to be interesting to see, and, and hopefully. Um, you know, this virus doesn't come back in the fall. Well, and it's funny, Billy, and this is a name very familiar to you because I know he's an old friend of yours as well. You know, I spoke with George Pine a couple weeks ago, and and he gave me a stat which blew me away, which may not be as uh, much of a surprise to you, or it may be. He said Tuscaloosa, Alabama, home of University of Alabama, of course, their economic, uh, the economic impact of a single University of Alabama game is 20 million dollars so that's 20 million dollars you know times five or six depending you know you live in the south you know as well as i do i mean the these are like many economies that are built around college sports it's unbelievable yeah it really is and it's um you know i saw a stat the other day that it was lsu's um uh, sports programs and this was not this past year where they won the national championship at football this was a couple years ago the football program made fifty-six million. The baseball program made eight or six, and that's that's uh, very impressive because baseball usually doesn't make any money at most right. schools. And then every other sport at LSU lost money. So you got the football program. Basically, all these programs in college football pay for everything else. So these uh, these athletic directors are going a little crazy and presidents, you know, pulling the trigger. Uh, the Pac-12 conference came out um, first and said, we're not playing. And then, you know, what does that do? Uh, Alabama is supposed to play, I think, a game in Dallas against the Pac-12 team at the beginning of the year. So is that game, you know, canceled? Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I know that, that all these schools want to get back, and all these high schools, especially here in Georgia, reading about high schools are starting to practice again. And, um, and whether or not it, it's safe, who knows? I, I don't think so. Billy, uh, you know, the tour has arranged for a charter to take the caddies, the players, and officials. They're going uh, today from uh, Fort Worth to uh, South Carolina. I don't assume you guys have a, a, a charter. Will more guys be afraid to fly commercial and actually drive from event to event like you used to do when you were breaking in, uh, you know, when you were in your early 20s? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Lynchy. Uh, I, I saw that uh, the tour is, is you know, kind of doing like this bubble. They're trying to keep everybody in this bubble so everyone's staying at the same hotels. Everyone's uh, chartering from tournament to tournament. Um, you know, all the testing that they're doing to try to keep everybody safe is great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about getting on a commercial airline right now. Um, I've, I've, I've talked to a few people that have done it and they say it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy because 
there's nobody on these planes. Uh, you have to wear a mask. Um, I just I just played golf uh, yesterday with a friend that said, that went to Portland, Oregon on business. He said that uh, nobody in the Atlanta airport was wearing masks until he got on the plane. He 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 flew. He got to Portland. Everyone took their masks off the minute they got off the plane. <laughs> he said it was uh, not as is sanitary or not not as efficient as he thought it was going to be, but yeah, um, I know some guys have. have uh, but I read with Bubba Watson bought an RV, and he's right. uh, he's bussing it to, from tournament to tournament. Uh, I would think some players will drive, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's you know everyone wants to get back to normal. Well, normal's gone. Now we got new normal. And what's the new normal going to be? Um, is it going to be driving? Is it going to be um, you know, taking, not taking as many plane rides as you can, or or or, or not caring? It's it's uh, it's going to be different for sure. And so, uh, Billy, I guess in in the pre-COVID, you know, previously normal world. You know, over the past couple of years, you know, you made a big transition to the Champions Tour. Uh, Lynch and I both having watched you during your PGA years and now watching you in Champions Tour. I- I'm going to go out on a limb. Actually, I'll quote my brother, Wynn, who you know very well, who <laughs> I mentioned this to you, said, I'm pretty sure Billy Andrade is living his best life right now. It seems like <laughs> you're having a pretty good time on the Champions Tour. Yeah, you know, I uh, at the end of my PGA Tour life, um, I did some TV uh, for a couple years, and, and I think that was the best thing. Um, looking back of of my success on the Champions Tour, because it kind of gave me a new perspective. Uh, it, I got a little break uh, mentally. It kind of uh, re, uh, rejuvenated my uh, my passion for the game. You know, you, you get beat down. Golf is so hard, and especially when you get into your late forties. Um, and you're not playing as well as you 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 know you can. Uh, you miss cuts. You come home. Your your kids say, you know, did you miss the cut again? You know, in, instead of so so you're not in a good place. And I, it was it was time for me to take a little break. And the TV the TV world really helped me um, watch. You know, especially I was I was walking with the top players and. The one thing I noticed is that they don't make every putt. You know, like you always think that the best players are making everything, and you know they hitting it perfect. And you know you need to be more perfect. And 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 I realized that you know what they don't make every putt, and they're not perfect. And you know why am I you know beating myself up so badly? And then uh, you know transitioning to the Champions Tour, my number one goal was I'm going to enjoy this. I'm not going to care. I've already put all this you know. 20 plus years, 25 years of grinding. And, you know, I, I, I guess that I didn't realize how much of a the pressure cooker the tour was and, until I got away from it. And then looking back, like, you know, every year you have to finish in the top 125, you know, the pressure, and then you don't have kids, and then you have kids, and you, you, you get married, then you have kids, and then you accumulate, you know, all the expenses that you have to pay and uh, the pressure can be enormous. And, um, you know, I just kind of went through it and got lucky. And, you know, I said, when I, when I, when I'm going to this champions tour, I'm just going to have fun. If I play great, great. And if I don't, it's no big deal. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to care. 
And with that attitude, it's been um, I played some of my best golf. And I think it's it's from that mindset of not really caring and, and not not putting so much pressure on myself. And it's um, it's really paid off. And it's uh, I'll tell you, I, I I just pinch myself, you know, because we're the only sport that can really do this at our right. age. Um, you know, we're on television. Um, you know, so you know the whole golfing world is watching. So you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of, you know, a, a national audience. But um, uh, I just I got to thank Bob Goldby, Don January, Arnold Palmer, the guys that started this Champions Tour. You know, which was called the Senior Tour back in the late seventies, nineteen eighty. And, um, you know, to be able to, to say in 2020 that, that I'm on this tour, it's my seventh year. I can't believe it's been seven years already mm-hmm. and uh, how much fun we have. It's, uh, it's really cool, and um, the camaraderie's great, uh, and the play is in- incredible. And, I, and I've seen how much better the play has gotten in, in, in my seventh year now. The scores these guys are shooting is, is just amazing. So the quality, the level of the game, and the and the fun of it is just uh, it's just awesome. Billy, we I was kind of surprised that by by round four yesterday, guys were actually giving fist pumps and uh, forearm pumps to each other. When when they first started on Thursday, it was sort of just a head nod and you know an air yeah. high five. And, but there was a lot of fist, there was a lot of by the, by the time this thing ended, uh, the 18th hole and then the playoff, uh, there was a lot of you know contact going on there. And I was kind yeah. of surprised at that. Even though I think I think you know Mon- Jay Monahan and they got it right and did a great job with the whole thing. I think the guys sort of relaxed a little bit and I. Worked what kind of message it was sending to everybody that was watching yeah it was the same message that you know like when you started playing golf you they said you can't no rakes uh you can't touch the pin and all this stuff and then tiger woods has his exhibition with brady and every hole tiger's taking the pin out so then i was thinking like like how many people around the around the world now are going to start taking the pin out because tiger took the pin out and then you see yesterday the same thing i think it's you're so programmed, Lynchy, that you know you you get done, and you usually you shake hands, you take your hat off, you you know, and now yeah. it's just um, it's just weird, it, and I, I I think that in the heat of the of the battle, I think some of these guys just forget, like oh my god, I can't do that, you know, I, you saw Nicholson, you know, give the 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 uh, try to the fist pump, which was n- not a fist pump. <laughs> when yeah, he was playing yeah, yeah. with with Brady, uh, he yeah. was the only one that was doing it. The other three were all touching each other. So yeah, it's uh, hopefully none of this is gonna uh, be a problem. But uh, yeah, I noticed that as well. Just to follow up on that about about the touching at, at our place, you know, I was looking for a pencil the other day and, and a ball marker. Well, th- those are gone now. You can't. You know, you used to go into the pro shop or outside of the first tee and you just you know scoop up three tees and grab a ball marker and a pencil. I asked, yeah. like, the assistant, I said, where are the pencils? He says, oh, we can't give them to you, Mike. Do you have one in your bag? I said, no, I don't. But, you know, so someone had one in his bag because they didn't want, he actually came out with a, with a napkin and had a pencil for me and gave it to me. But, uh, I mean, that, that's how, you know, how careful everybody is being about this thing. Uh, and it's it, it's bizarre. But you're right, the old habits are hard to break, not grabbing the pin and, you know, not uh, going over and right. fist pumping someone. Well, you should you should see, uh, Lynch, you, you're in, you're in, you guys are in a hotbed. Up there with yeah. the coronavirus, you know, you, you you go to some places. I was talking to Mike Weir the other day, uh, Masters champion, lives in Utah. He says his life hasn't changed one bit. He wow. said, 
virus isn't really out here, and no, nobody's social distancing, none, none of that. And my buddy um, uh, Andy Berg, who's my financial advisor, he's got a <clears throat> he's got a lake house at, at, at Reynolds Plantation, uh, and this was a month ago. He said, "Oh, it's." You know, this past weekend, it was like 4th of July. Everybody was out on their boats, partying, having a good time. And uh, so in different places of the country, it's it's um, it's really different. You know, like you guys are in total lockdown, Massachusetts, yeah. New York, Rhode Island. And then you go south, you know, when we got this uh, wonderful governor here in Georgia that just, you know, opened everything up um, pretty early and took a gamble with it. And, um, yeah. you know. It's just, uh, it is crazy, though. You, know, you go, hey, where's my pencil? I need a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> so With an eraser. Played, you probably played the best round of your, best round of your life. <laughs> yeah, I had a four of that, but yeah. yeah, I, I yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just keep it track of my head here. Just keep it track of my head. <laughs> or at our age, Lynchy, you're like, you forget. What did I think I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> you know. Billy, you were talking about the the camaraderie on the tour, and and Lynchy mentioned this at the top of the conversation. I mean, it feels like one of the most special relationships and friendships you've had uh, going back many, many years is with Brad Faxon. I mean, whether it is playing on the tour, whether it's the charity stuff you've done together, whether it's even being in movies together, if I'm remembering Kingpin (laughs) uh, correctly, the beginning of Kingpin correctly. Tell us about... uh, Tell us about that relationship because it, it feels like a special one. Yeah, he, um, you know, he's three years older, so he was always the guy I looked up to when I was, you know, we were playing junior golf, and you know, he was winning everything, and um, you know, he went off to Furman University to college, then I, three years later, go to Wake Forest, and you know, then we started traveling together, playing amateur golf, driving from tournament to tournament like we did, and um, so he was always like my big brother always kind of took care of me and then when i got on the pga tour my rookie year he made sure i had great practice rounds with great players and uh, kind of took me under his wing um so he was always uh you know he was always there he's a he's a uh, such a caring person like lynchy was saying earlier a giving guys uh, uh, just uh, just one of those guys that um you know i i try to emulate when i when i was get going up the ranks and then i realized like quickly uh after i got on the tour for a little while and 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 like i just thought that everybody putted like brad faxon like because i grew up playing with him and and you just had a chip and putt i mean that was it and then you get on the tour and you realize oh my gosh this guy's like one of the greatest putters ever um and no not everybody puts as good as this guy and uh so he he's uh He's been a, a special friend. He's, he's, a, he's a great person, um, and he's doing. He's, he's kind of going into that, uh, not playing much golf anymore, and getting into the TV world. And um, he's done a great job with Fox. He's, he's kind of grown as an announcer, and uh, he does a really good job there. So, um, yeah, we've been uh, friends a long time, and um, uh, you know, one of those guys that um, I always looked up to. You know, Billy and, and Brad, uh, Jason, uh, have been running this tournament, uh, the CVS Charity Classic, and also your uh, Champions for Children, I think, is the other one. Is that what it is, Billy? Is that the name of it? Um, yeah. And yep. in, uh, so, obviously, uh, those two were, have been casualties of this uh, pandemic in this calendar year. Is that right? Yeah, they have. Um, you know, we've uh, po- we, um, 
we're still we're still still going to do stuff with our sponsors and, and uh, try to give as much money away this year as we can to charity because it's charity all the charities are really suffering with with through this pandemic so um uh, and then we're going to come back next year with our 22nd CVS Health Charity Classic, which um, you know it's been dear to my heart and Brad's heart, you know, you know our hearts with uh, how much money that we uh, and how many people and how much money we raised for charity. We raised over 23 million in 21 years, so it's um, it's a um, it's a big event in Rhode Island. It's um, it, it, it's huge. It's uh, it's, 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 it's the- really a, it's a really great thing that. Um, and we couldn't do it without CVS. They've been a, a great, yeah. a great sponsor with us, and um, it's it's something that uh, you know when we started it, we were just we were, we were just hoping that 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 other golfers that we invited would come, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, fast forward, you know, 21 years later, can't believe that we're still doing it, and uh, we still uh, it's still going strong. So it's been great. And then Brad and I started a foundation together in the in the early 90s. And uh, we used to have a, a, a celebrity pro am at Wanamoisit, and uh, we ended up uh, quit. Do, we quit doing it and, uh, right around 2000 because of the CBS started going. So, um, but we still uh, have given a, a bunch of money away uh, to a lot of needy children in uh, Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts. So it's uh, it's been great. It's been. Uh, it's been a passion that we've both have enjoyed doing and uh, and still do. One of the best parts about it it's it's not a scheduled tour event, so it's a it's a little bit looser and uh, there's a lot of laughing going on. There's a lot of interaction with the fans, and I think that's why a lot of the people come out there because you and Brad are very approachable and and you, you don't intimidate people and you interact with people and they don't forget that. And the good you know, the smallest state in Rhode Island has two of the guys with the biggest two of the biggest hearts in the game with you and and, and Brad. And I think it's uh, it's it's been a great undertaking and. And uh, we love going down and, and, and watching it and covering it every year. Yeah, well, thanks, Lynch. I appreciate it. The other thing is is that if we weren't approachable, then we would hear it from all the fans <laughs> of New England because, you know, it's it's just so funny. You know, people from the south come up to, to Rhode Island. And, you know, my buddy was telling a story uh, yesterday playing golf about coming to Rhode Island for the first time. And we walked in the Dunkin' Donuts in Bristol, Rhode Island, and, you know, seven people were giving me crap because I missed a short putt the week before. <laughs> you know, I almost broke the TV set because you almost, cause you missed that putt on 17. You know, I can't believe it. You know, I go, you almost broke your TV. How do you think I felt? <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, people, people in Rhode Island and Massachusetts and New England, they, 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 they they feel like they own you a little bit. <laughs> so, oh yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. So hey, if, if they own you, then then they're gonna tell it tell it like it is, and and that's kind of the way I grew up. So uh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different a different sort of vibe than uh, maybe at Capital City Country Club, right, Billy? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Mike, um, Mike Ruzione. Mike Ruzioni uh, always says he runs into people and says, "Boy, I tell you, I can't believe it's been forty years since we beat the Russians." And Mike said, "We? I didn't know you were on the team." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Billy, I know another thing that you've been involved in is the East Lake Invitational, if I've got yeah. that right. And uh, I, and I do wonder. I was thinking about that 
especially in the context of candidly everything that's been going on in Atlanta over the past couple of weeks, uh, knowing yeah. yours and Jody's commitment to social justice and to the community uh, in and around Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about that. And, and candidly, I, I'm really interested in, in what you're seeing there in Atlanta right now as a hotbed of the civil rights movement, obviously everything going on over the past few weeks, just would love to get your insights there. Yeah. Um, so, um, Tom Cousins, a developer here in Atlanta, um, bought Eastlake and revitalized, uh, the golf, uh, um, did a total redesign of the, not redesign of the golf course. I should say that it's a, a makeover. Uh, the golf course hadn't been um, – it, it hosted the 1960, I think, three Ryder Cup. Uh, Arnold Palmer was the playing captain of that team. Um, let's go back to the, to the 20s, 30s. This is where Bobby Jones grew up. He grew up behind the 13th hole. Um, this golf course was – uh, one of the greatest courses in the in the world. People knew it, knew of it, and and by the late '80s, this place was um, just in dire dire straits. Uh, in and around the area, it was called East Lake Meadows. Um, in 1971, uh, Bobby Jones passed away, and within a month, uh, they turned that whole area into public housing, an experiment that the government tried. And uh, by 1994, uh, the place was called Little Vietnam. Uh, the statistics were just uh, just so, so, so bad. Uh, a murder a week, average age of a, of a grandmother was like 33 years old. Um, they had 580 units, and they had 10, 10 fathers that were living there. Um, you... you you turned 15 years old. You, you had to get pregnant to get food stamps. Um, it was just um, it was the place to get drugs. Um, it was just an awful, and it was right next to East Lake Golf Club. So Tom Cousins bought the golf course. Um, has revitalized the whole neighborhood. Um, they have a they put in a YMCA. They, it, it's amazing. It's a story that's um, been told a few times. There's a great documentary about East Lake that you can look, look up. That's just, um, it's just amazing to watch. But, um, I went out there to play golf. Uh, I was invited by Mr. Cousins in uh, 1994. And then he, uh, gave me an honorary membership to be the golf pro out of East Lake on the tour and just, um, you know, do a clinic, do a clinic a year for the, uh, for the, for the kids in the area that, um, you know, they, they revitalized across the street, um, a nine holes with the first tee they have over there now. So you can do a clinic for the kids. And, and I said, sure. So I did one like in 95 or six, and then I had, didn't do one for 15 years. Never, nobody ever called me or anything. And I started thinking, you know, this is where I've, this is my adult home. And I really haven't done anything here. You know, Brad Faxon and I have done some great work up in Rhode Island. Um, I know I'm not from the South, but this is, this is, I feel this is my home now. I got to do something, but I can't carry myself. I can't carry a charity, uh, get involved with, with a charity and do it on my own here in Georgia. Cause I'm not from here. This is my, this is where I, I, I live now, but, um, I need to, if I can get 
somehow get involved. You know what? I'm going to get involved with Eastlake. So I called Mr. Cousins and said, I have an idea. Let's do a celebrity pro-am. Let's make make it the Eastlake Invitational. I'll invite a bunch of my celebrity friends down, and we'll – and we can raise a bunch of money for um, for the foundation. What do you say? And he let me he let me do it. We've been doing it now for ten years. I got Stuart Sink involved because he's also a member of the club, so he and I kind of host it. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful. We raised millions of dollars for for the foundation, which has been great. Um, and it's uh, it's something that um, you know that. I look forward to every year to, 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 to host. Uh, we get some great people to come in and, um, you know, uh, showcase the golf course. Uh, we do it in the fall. Um, obviously, we're not going to do it this year, but we'll be back next year. Um, as far as the civil unrest that's going on here in, here in Atlanta, uh, Jason, it's just, it just, oh, man, it just kills you, you know, to, to see what's, you know, what's happening. Um, you know, I never understood – Back when, where did it turn? Where did the the message turn with Colin Kaepernick? And over the years, I kept saying, I don't understand. The guy was kneeling for social for social injustice of of you know white officers killing black kids, and then it turned to the right, and all of a sudden it was you're disrespecting the military. And you're disrespecting the flag, and that turn went, and then the NFL just flew with it. And here we are, four, four or five years later, here, and it's all coming back. And and it just uh, it just blows me away that um, it just keeps happening and happening. And um, you know, I think there, I think this pandemic has something to do with the craziness of, of the mental state of, of everyone. But um, it's just so sad to see to see all this. It really is. Well, Billy, you've always been been a leader. You've never been a follower as long as I've I've known you. And um, you know, you're down in the south, and you're a Rhode Island guy. And it doesn't surprise me at all that that uh, you participate. You don't vegetate when it comes to something outside the, you know your normal world of golf. Well, I appreciate it, Lynchy. It's um, you know what? Um, it's how you brought up. You know, I I had great parents, great family. Um, you know, my my grandparents got me into golf. They were they were they were the best. And you know what? I, I'm lucky. I'm you know I I didn't I was brought up in a in a in a great home. And there's there's just so many kids and there's so many folks that that don't have that luxury, don't have that that luckiness that I that I've had that we've all had. And uh, you know, you're the same way, and Jason, you're the same way. You're such a great family. So. Um, you know, if we, if we can do something, uh, and I'm also lucky that I, you know, I got into a profession where I got very good at and, and I've had success. So, um, I think it is important to, to, you know, help others and if you can, and, um, you know, it's just something that's always been inside me and, uh, I'll just do it and, you know, for the rest of my life. I think it's also fair to say, having watched it uh, up close, you also uh, made a very good choice in your partner. Because um, <laughs> uh, I, I know I know Jody Andrade pretty well, and she does a good job of keeping you honest on all that stuff too. Fair? <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she does. I think we're thirty-three well, in right now. <laughs> is that right? Good uh, lord. 
yeah, 32, 33, something like that. Yeah, we're uh, uh, we're having a great time. It's uh, yeah, she's been uh, she's been the rock, that's for sure. And just like you, <laughs> Billy. I got to yes, I gotta exactly. Ask you. We have that in common. We have that in common. <laughs> How did how did you lose your Rhode Island accent? You know, when you crossed over that line from Attleboro to Pawtucket, it's Rhode Island, Rhode Island, and I I never hear it any, anymore from you. You've, you've you've completely lost the Rhode Island accent, which well, is very you know, distinctive. You know, Lynchy, it's so funny. When I go home, people say I can't believe you sound, you sound like a Southerner, and then I come down here and people are going, "Oh my gosh, get rid of that Rhode Island accent! What is wrong with you?" <laughs> so I you can't, can't win. win. You can't win. <laughs> I can't win. You know, it's so funny. Mark Wahlberg has is, is changed the whole dynamic of dumbing it down or dumbing it up. And uh, now everyone wants to talk like Dorchester. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. We hope you'll come back and visit with us again, uh, Billy Andrade. And for those of you who want to catch more of Billy, follow him on Twitter. He's great to follow on Twitter. Very highly, highly entertaining. Uh, you can also, you know, if you got some time during quarantine, you can catch his cameos in kingpin uh what was the other fairly brothers movie didn't you have another fairly brothers cameo billy yeah i wasn't stuck on you stuck on you that was a that was that was a a, a much smaller role but um yeah curb your enthusiasm too right yeah i did a little yeah. i was a doctor there for larry there you um, go one show so uh yeah all fun fun stuff uh and obviously catch him uh on the champions tour uh restarting if all goes according to plan uh late july early august billy andre thank you so much best to jody and the kids all right you you guys take care see ya thanks billy good talking all right okay and you've been listening to bloomberg business of sports podcast we're here each and every monday wednesday and thursday i'm jason kelly find me on twitter at jason kelly news and I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me on Twitter at LynchyWCVB. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.